0: Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple, and in this podcast he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro, Less sins, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions
1: of a Sales Pro, my special guest this week is a gentleman by the name of Sean Scope from Boynton Beach, Florida. Sean has over 30 years of experience in sales and management consulting for the public and private sectors. He started out working for Canon in the late 80s as a sales rep and eventually made his way into sales management before pursuing a career in management consulting. He started his consulting career in Washington, D.C., or he successfully championed national initiatives with federal agencies while working with the big six consulting firms. He has over 15 years experience and expertise that includes creating more profitable operations and sustainable earnings for entrepreneurs and private equity firms across the U.S. and into Canada. He also runs his own consulting company, the Markson Group, providing operational sales transformations, sales training, sales excellence, and sales interventions. Sean has a bachelor of science degree in business administration from Townsend University, School of Business and Economics, and a master's degree in organizational psychology from the John Hopkins School of Medicine in Baltimore. He is a professional facilitator, public speaker, and participates in sales workshops, podcasts like this, and panels for several national organizations. Currently, he is a senior sales executive with PSP's family office, a Florida-based boutique tax and legacy consulting firm for the past six years, where he continues to develop win-win engagements for entrepreneurs. He also loves to play his guitar, loves around the golf, uh, and is an avid Baltimore Orioles fan. He lives in Boynton Beach, as mentioned, with his wife Valerie and their daughter, Samantha. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Sean. Thanks for taking the time today, sir.
2: Absolutely. My pleasure, Ian. It's great to hear your voice again.
1: Yes, it is. I, I, I'm so glad. I know you're really busy. Um, and so I'm so glad. And on behalf of all our listeners, thanks for taking the time and sharing your wisdom with us today. The rule: what we're going to focus on with this week's podcast is the role that psychology plays in the world of sales. So for some personal testimony around that. How has your consulting background, Sean, made you a better sales professional?
2: That's a great, that's a great question. And I can talk about this until the cows come on me. And um, specifically, you know, the top point that I would want to make in response to that question is, is that I really believe that the consulting background allowed me to hone analytical and people skills in a good balance. Uh, together Um, and having the ability or having the experiences and getting people to accept or want change is absolutely paramount in the world of sales and or uh, business development and that's really what the consulting was um, was made up of it was about instituting change getting uh, getting change to happen and the the one, uh, and I'm going to sound uh, a little uh, oxymoronish here. The one difference and uh, similarity is that in consulting, the change intent is typically for many people to change, um, and and that's usually done through one person. Uh, these people have been called influencers, they've been called champions, they've been called a lot of different things. Sometimes it's a purchasing agent, um, but there's always one person that could influence that change across many people. In in the sales that I do, it's more of a one-on-one. Uh, so I'm dealing with one person de- uh, accepting and, and, and dealing with change versus many people. So I, I think there's some transferable skills in, in trying to get change across many people that does apply for one, uh, but there is definitely a difference in applying uh, and accepting and uh, implementing change in organizations. Uh, versus an individual
1: makes complete sense uh sean absolutely and and you, you hear the word consulting and then you also hear the word consulted of selling and there is some parallels there so your experience and and real live billable hour consulting has really driven and must have driven a lot of your sales success personally for you
2: no it, no it, question it, it absolutely has it's absolutely uh uh, a, a huge influence in the way that I go about doing my selling, a huge influence in what's important to me uh, in a sales role, what's important to the teams that are in sales roles. Um, again, I think it all goes back to dealing with trying to create some sort of a change.
1: Right. Change being that offer of word, absolutely. So you, you've got a vast experience across many sectors, Sean, based on your bio, which is fairly impressive. I've got to to hand it to you. Um, So in in your experience, in your own opinion, what separates the great from the good in the world of selling?
2: Oh, geez. Uh, Well, there are a number of things, but let me me break it down maybe into three or four points for you. First, um, curiosity level. I think the great salespeople that I've been around just have this uncanny knack and ability and thirst for curiosity they want to find out more they want to find out more and you know from a personal level i think that stems from the individual being uh comfortable in uncomfortable situations the the worst question is the one that's never asked right so <laughs> curiosity level for me is absolutely paramount if, if you're not curious as a salesperson um to find other things out or just to find things out uh, across the board then um It's probably not the career for you. Two, um, instincts, just pure skill. Gladwell talks about 10,000 hours all the time. Um, The best of the best that I've seen, the great salespeople just do it. It's just instinctual. Somebody says this, they do that. Somebody asks that question, they answer it this way. And it's effortless because We've heard all the analogies, right? We, we've been to the golf range. We've been in the batting cage. We've seen a lot of pitches. We've taken a lot of swings. There's no substitute for time, uh, failures, and successes along the way, but instincts, pure skill, those 10,000 hours. Three, and I think this is where you really get some separation between good and great. Patience, discipline, timing, the ability to uh, to hold back, to show those that patience, to have that ability, to know when to ask the question, allow the client to say a little bit more. Uh, patience is an absolute skill that is present across the best of the best that I've ever seen, and I guess lastly. And I could go on with a lot of bullets here. But lastly, uh, the great salespeople uh, that I see, that I've seen in my career are people that actually get others to experience emotions so that they can feel a certain way. Getting somebody to feel a certain way is absolutely gorgeous to watch because When the intent is, like we talked about in in the beginning, curiosity, patience, discipline, when we get to that moment where somebody is feeling a certain way, then and only then can change occur. Can somebody, can a salesperson help that person? Can we fix a problem? So on and so forth. So it's really important that we get people to feeling a certain way. And I think the first three that we talked about, the curiosity level, instincts, pure skill, patience, discipline, and timing, really feed into the ability to get to somebody's emotion and get them feeling uh, a certain way.
1: That is so well said, Sean. I, I applaud you. Like curiosity, being curious, you know, being that thirsty for information, thirsty to understand, understand their pain, their objectives, what are they trying to do? Having that that curiosity, that native curiosity, not reading from a script, huge instincts. And and you're right. It it takes a long time uh, to to figure it out where it becomes second nature. And and you you said it well. It's not just the successes we've all had. It's a lot of the failures we had to go through. I'll never do that again. When I get asked that question, I'm going to answer it way differently next time. So those (laughs) instincts and the patience, right? That's the, st- that's the, the tenacity that the just hang in there. And gentle patience might be another word to add to it. Two years, one month, sure. listen more, not just more pitching, more listening. Be, be patient and to invoke a feeling, not just play with the logical side of the brain. Buy our solution. You'll get this result. Here's the price. Here's your ROI. No, what will it feel like when you've got this working for you in your organization? That Get it to more of a feeling You're right. That's where change lives, is in that area. Mm -hmm. So those are four great nuggets we just shared with our (laughs) listeners right there, Sean. Thank you. Absolutely, my pleasure. Oh, no, thank you. Selling intangibles, you know, sometimes that word's relevant, you know, like intangible. A service could be called intangible. There might be a tangible outcome, right? So selling intangibles can be a difficult picture to paint for prospect, you know, for leads, prospective clients. Mm-hmm. What are some of the keys to be being truly successful in this arena, Sean? What has what your experience uh, taught you about this?
2: Yeah. Um, so, again, I, I'm a one, two, three, ABC type of guy because of my consulting. So, if I had to give you three, three top things that I think contribute to people being successful in the intangible arena... Number one would be that you have to enter into and deploy a complete fix-it mentality. Fix-it, you you are actually just honed in and focused on fix-it, 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 fix-it. The people that are involved in the process, getting in the door, getting the lead, all the people, they're either going to be obstacles or resources for you if you keep in mind fix it fix it fix it if we take the approach that the people along the way whether it be the final decision maker whether it be the gatekeeper are they going to be an obstacle or a resource so if we can turn them to resources or utilize them as resources you can have a a much higher success rate a much higher odds in your favor Two, preparation and planning. I cannot stress this enough. Even though you might have your 10,000 hours and you have the instincts and the pure skill, what got you there is the preparation and the planning, studying, researching, right? Setting milestones for yourself or your selling team in that process, whether it's a initial call, follow-up call, close call, presentation call. It doesn't matter what the call is. But you have to have milestones within it. You have to set contingencies. I've always approached time with clients like a surgeon. We have a plan. We know what we're going to do. We know if it goes well, we're going to go down this road. If it gets sideways, we're going to do this. You're going to do that. So you go in knowing what you're there to accomplish. And sometimes that's uh, you know doing the extras, finding out a little bit more about who's going to be there. What are their backgrounds? What are their likes? The more information, the better informed you are, the better your plan is going to be. The better your plan is, the more likely it is to be implemented. Lastly, is the delivery style. This is absolutely critical. The delivery style has to be one that takes on three main characteristics, I would say. And first and foremost, it's educating. If we're educating people, We're we're helping people. People can feel that. They know it's happening. Second is is that you go from leading them by educating them to eventually guiding them to the answer. So it's almost like you're towing somebody into a wave. I'm going to use a Florida uh, uh, analogy here. We're towing somebody into the wave so they can have a better ride on the surfboard. And we teach them to surf first, and then we help them along. We lead them, and then we guide them in. So those three things—education, leading them, and guiding them towards what what it is that we're fixing—I I really believe—is our, our keys to the success of selling intangibles. That's so so well uh, articulated, Sean. Thank. Like
1: fix it mentality, and I, I so agree with you. That's we 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 are in the in the in the business of solving problems. We're solvers. Yep. We're not sellers. Yep. So it. If we take that approach that I'm here to fix things for you, I want to get on your side of the desk, get deeply immersed in your pain and your business objectives so I can best understand how to bring that fix it to you. Uh, that That's a great mentality to have. And do your homework, the planning and preparation. You know, Instead of ready, fire, aim, we, we better do ready, aim, fire, or things can right. go wrong. And uh, So having the, the plan, the preparation, putting in that it, time investment to, to, and you're right, some of those 10,000 hours are going to help us, almost give us a bit of a template for how to plan. We still have to gather that information. We still have to do our analysis. And I love what you said about delivery. So educate them, and, and instead of leading them, guide them. That, that also triggers trust. That These guys aren't trying to sell us something. They're truly helping to guide us to the solution. Right, So that, that's a great way to differentiate your, yourself with your sales approach. Brilliant, brilliant mm-hmm. ideas on that, John. Hey, you, you've Thank done you. a ton of huge projects. Um, mm-hmm. I know I mean, the, the impacts you've had in the, in the sales world are, are vast. You've done complete sales transformation projects. Mm-hmm. What was the most
2: rewarding about doing
1: these types of projects? What, what do you personally take from that?
2: Well, again, there's there's a couple of uh, high points uh, in those projects. That's where I kind of live and breathe. That's the fabric of who I am. Uh, and you know this, Ian. We're all sales junkies. We can never get enough, right? Um, so, <laughs> uh, for me, the top thing would be, and um, it's in, in a complete sales transformation, is just having the ability to really impact a company or an organization, all of their people, their, their culture, their clients as an outsider. To me, that's, that, that's rewarding because you, you become, uh, you come in there, uh, you don't work there. You're an outsider coming in and, and have an amazing opportunity to really be able to impact at all levels at the company, people, culture, and their clients. Again, I would, um, stress that the people along the way, especially in larger projects, um, where we're turning maybe, uh, a software company that has a sales department into a sales organization that offers software. They're two different organizations. Um, when you, when you, when you come out of that, uh, again, we have to remember that the people are either, it's our choice. We can accept them as obstacles or we can utilize them as resources. And so I've always looked at the individuals along the way as how can this person be a resource in this process? There's, you know, there's nobody too small, nobody too big. Uh, I don't care what their title is. I don't care how big or how small the contribution is. If they can be a resource, it's going to be a plus. Um, the second one is more heartfelt. It's really the relationships that I've had, uh, with a lot of diverse populations. Um, Combined with a lot of other variability, I mean cultures, language, budgets, expectations, uh, et cetera. I mean, there's so many different types of people, different skill levels, um, all over all over the page that I've I've had the opportunity and the uh, uh, pleasure of uh, forming relationships with. And you know, for me, the benefit of that uh, was really getting an informal education in effective communication and change leadership. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't perfect and I learned from mistakes, but at the end of the day, all of those experiences I feel have just made me more, uh, effective in my abilities to communicate ideas with, to, and with people, uh, and effectively make changes with them along the way. Um, and then the last thing is more of a personal uh, more, even more personal. In the second, uh, rewarding for me is is that I I always want to leave a life lasting impression on anybody that I touch, whether that be in business or or in on my personal life. And if if I keep that in mind while I'm working with people and with my fix it mentality and my are you going to be an obstacle or a resource and everything that we've talked about so far. I think if we just keep in our mind that if if we're concerned with the impression that we're leaving, based on the quality, the quantity of our work, our integrity, what are people going to remember? Where's how do I leave my mark? Because that company will go on, that client will go on to save a lot of tax dollars in my current in my current role, right? But what do I what do I do? How do I behave? What are the actions I take with these individuals as a, as a group or as, as a one on one? How do I leave them saying, wow, you know what? That was totally worth my time taking that phone call. Oh my gosh, he actually delivered what he said he was going to deliver. He called at exactly eight o'clock, like he said. He did give me the number of the guy that can do that for me. That's that's my whole premise to everything that I do, Ian, is about being a man of my word. And, you know, I've been reading lately the stigmas about salespeople and having the negative, um, you know, negative impressions that people have of salespeople. Let me, let me make this clear. Being a reputable and honorable salesperson is a great profession. And, as far as I'm concerned, it should be up there with people that save lives. I save lives. I just don't use medical tools to do it. I influence and I can change people's lives. so I take that pretty seriously I'm not a surgeon I'm not a doctor I didn't go to med school however, well, I did go to med school, but i'm not i'm not for not for medical um, uh, a medical degree sorry um that, I think, is, is the key. If, if you have those rooted principles, and if you take that fix-it mentality, look at people again, and I'm repeating this so it sinks in, as a resource, not an obstacle, stay true to yourself, and try to leave a life-lasting impression on every bit of work that you do. I think the sales will, somehow they mysteriously show up, Ian, I know you know that. They just, the numbers happen to, they happen to fall where they may. And you know what? In most cases, they're even better because you're focused on not the nuts and bolts of how to make sales. You're focused on the people, the issue. You're, you're focused on what really matters, holding yourself accountable. So those, those are, those are the things that I really took from that. The ability to influence on a large scale, small scale, the relationships along the way, uh, have been just tremendous, and they'll continue to flourish. And then, you know, just try and leave a very good impression with anybody that spends, whether it's five seconds with me or five months with me. That's really what I'm after.
1: That's, that's so tough, drawer Sean. That's beautiful. Lead with your heart. Your wallet will follow. Don't, don't, right. just, don't just be a commission-breathing salesperson looking for closes and closes, because that's not how lasting relationships work. And you'll never leave a legacy of a great impression if that's the, the, the avenue you drive on. So I love what you're saying, Chuck. That's wonderfully said. It should be a mission statement. I, I loved it. Okay. So <laughs> final question for you, my friend. When do you think a top tier salesperson has arrived? When does that bell ring? Oh, that's
2: an easy one. So I would I would say first and foremost when there's no selling. When when clients are just buying from you, right, you're just doing your thing. There's no selling involved. And the second one is kind of tongue in cheek because I've been the recipient of this. You know, when somebody has arrived as a top tier salespeople, when other salespeople watch what they do and say, that looked easy. When it looks easy to other people, they've arrived. They've, they've,
1: they've rung the bell, and, and you're right. And, and learning is an ongoing thing, and, and we have to stay arrived as well, right? So once we get there, that's wonderful, and it does seem like you're building relationships and people buy things from you, and they tell their friends, and they repeat, and you get referrals, and it, the, the air up there is, is very pure. But guess what? We have to stay up there, right? So we have to mm-hmm. keep those principles, keep that integrity, keep that work hard, ethic, do the research, and you'll stay in that glorified air up in the top tier for salespeople. Um, once again, my, my special guest this week has been a gentleman by the name of Sean Scope from Boynton Beach, Florida. Uh, Sean, how can our listeners, I'm sure you dropped some wonderful nuggets on the listeners today. I'm sure awesome. some people want to reach out to get a hold of you to find out more. How can our listeners yep. get a hold of you?
2: Okay, two different ways. Thanks, Ian. And it has been my pleasure to be here. Always great to talk with you, sir. Um, the, the first way is to link in with me. My name is Sean Scope, S-E-A-N, Scope, like the mouthwash, S-C-O-P, just link in with me, uh, and then we can hook up that way. Or if you want to see uh, what uh, the firm who I'm with, what we do, and how we work, you can visit If you see something there that that interests you or you think someone might be a good fit for our services, then you can ask for me by name through the website or link in with me first and we can take it from there. So either way would be uh, be appropriate. That's fantastic. Again, Sean,
1: thank you sincerely. Really appreciate you doing this.
2: My absolute
1: pleasure. I love this stuff. (laughs) That's fantastic. And thank you for listening. The confessions of a sales pro.
0: If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoru.com confessions of a sales pro less sins more wins with ian selby